September 18, 2021. This is The Better Life. I'm your host, Timothy Lawson. Living a better life means uh, driving through states that don't have sports betting and really feeling the void. I'm a bit, I'm on a bit of a road trip with the family, and uh, typically, I mean, in the past, I've had the convenience of going from point A to point B across the states and uh, going through states that have legal operations. But uh, I find myself currently in a state that does not. There's no casinos around, and well, it's tough to live the better life when you can't gamble on anything. It's tough find myself, um, you know, making bets with random strangers as I walk down the street, but people just, uh, they don't, uh, they don't take. Um, by the way, shout out to all my, uh, Air Force veterans. Happy birthday, uh, their Air Force, um, coming at you on a Saturday. Uh, just kind of needed, um, just didn't, I didn't rush anything this week. So that's why coming on a Saturday, uh, you know, when you're on the road, sometimes things is difficult to keep a, uh, keep a structured routine so uh rather than force anything or or feel stressed about making sure i got something out of it's like oh whatever i'll do it on saturday I got plenty of time to do it then so here we are uh mark deval and i earlier this week shout out to everybody who caught us on the stream we talked about luck the show luck on hbo episodes one and two of the nine episodes uh of the series we're enjoying it so far uh, I think there's uh, there's a good amount of gambling to talk about. I think the horse race industry, horse racing industry, uh, both gambling and not gambling, is being well well represented here and, and interesting to look at uh, in this series. So uh, hopefully you've got a chance to catch up. If not, check it out on HBO. Luck. This is episodes one and two. Enjoy. Uh, for those watching on the stream, I'm going to be a little bit bouncy here today because uh, I. Um, with the current setup that I'm, uh, I'm visiting family and have been banished to the back room to do such things. And I've been able to put together a little, uh, a little workstation here, but I literally have my laptop on my lap with my camera balanced on my laptop. Uh, you couldn't find like a TV tray or something. TV tray. What, are you, what, are you, what, what decade are you living in? Who has TV trays? <laughs> What do you call them now? It's, it's <laughs> funny you say that because I actually thought of that too. I was like, I wonder if they have a TV tray or something I can use. <laughs> um, but no, that's uh, uh, had I had I had a little more forethought into this, uh, yeah. Mark, I would have come up with something. Yeah. Uh, hello, everybody. Mark's been a while since we've broadcasted. Yeah, that's right. Like. I mean, we talked briefly about um, the card counter, you know, on your last uh, or second to last podcast. But yeah, yeah, to actually sit down and talk uh, movies and TV, it's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. Um, speaking uh, speaking of our little preview, uh, I was surprised to have been given a interview with Joe Stapleton, which was the last release. Um, what did you think of that interview? I, I know having seen the movie and having and knowing a lot of the context that went into my questions what did you think about how he represented the movie and and his thoughts on it it was great because you could tell he approached it the same way kind of we do when we criticize the movie he was thinking of that right at the time like what are my friends going to think right you know after this he's actually thinking of that and, you know getting things right and he's seen enough tv and movies to know the things that they get wrong yeah and, uh, oh, I thought it was great. Yeah, the way that he was talking about how he not only talked with Paul Schrader, but the actors, and even in particular scenes, hey, where people are sitting or here's what it's supposed to be. And even when you m mentioned the comment that I had about the movie, which really was so minor, yeah. but, you know, in the story, the guy was saying, so it went check, raise, 
re-raised, and that's wrong. It should have gone check, bet. He made a great point, and I, I hope – but he said, you know, this is maybe the way somebody would tell the story. Right. Even, even somebody who plays poker a lot might kind of misspeak because you understand what he's saying. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I definitely, you know, agree with that. So, you know, my nitpick can be completely – thrown away and no i thought it was a great interview mainly because he seemed like one of us yes you know when it came to running to get things right in the movie yeah yes um i was glad to to hear i was glad to hear him sort of admit to that and uh because like i mentioned in in my conversation with him i mean we all wish we could somehow influence how gambling's depicted in a movie right mm -hmm. And, you know, it must have been so cool to finally have had that opportunity. And I imagine to a lot of, to a, to a very big extent, wanted to make sure he got it right. You know, like yeah. it wasn't it, like he knew, uh, you know, he like, there's some things you're, like Paul Schrader's just going to tell you he doesn't care about. That right. Little, yeah. You know, I love yeah. that part, too. It's like, OK, the director, he's got a story he wants to tell. Yeah. And so, you know, maybe there are times where he just, well, I don't care. You know, OK, that's not going to be completely accurate, but I don't get I don't think he said that verbatim. But even when it came down to the title of the movie, yeah. you know, it was it was clear that it was brought to Schrader's attention that, hey, wait a second. OK, yeah, he counts cards, but that's not really you know, you don't count count cards in poker and right. there's more poker in blackjack. But Paul Schrader liked the title. I mean, it's a good title. It's just, <laughs> you know, until you see the movie, it's like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. No, good uh, interview. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Mark, this was my first this is my first time ever participating in uh, a 33 pool uh -huh. put on by a listener and, and friend, Ed O'Connor, mm -hmm. um, yeah. who uh, is, uh, I think, at Scan20 on uh, Scan720, mm -hmm. I think, on, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. on Twitter. Mm -hmm. uh, I've, I've been waiting for a long time to be allowed into this. Uh -huh. uh, mm -hmm. I've been on the waiting list for a long yeah. time. Uh -huh. I am privileged to mm -hmm. say that yeah. I won in my very first week. Um, yeah, congratulations thank Tim. you thank you it was um you know it's funny <laughs> it's funny how how sequencing in game so this is something i think we need to talk about uh in, in another conversation you me and a few other gamblers how sequencing and gambling impacts your excitement about the results and what i mean by that is so i had the kansas city chiefs so for, for those who don't know 33 pool you get randomly assigned a team if they win and score 33 points uh exactly mm -hmm. exactly 33 points right you win the pot for that week yeah. um and it splits for it so and so this week there happened to be two winners myself and the other newbie for the for the year <laughs> we both won this week first week on the yeah. job and we win yeah. um he probably was ecstatic to find out that he won and split the pot i felt a little slight bit of disappointment of course that I, had yeah. to, that I had to split the pot i didn't right. even realize it until i watched the game and it even dawned on me that i was splitting the pot until this morning i saw my winnings come through i was like that doesn't seem like enough <laughs> and then i was like oh wait and i looked at the game the, the and so it's interesting how i went into last night's game thinking i won the pot and mm. then learned I had yeah. to split it. Where if it was the other way around to where I was like, oh, someone already won it. Oh, snap, I get part of it. That sequence would would like it. So, you know, yeah. apply to other gambling moments. Like when you, you know, the, the, the idea of, you know, uh, is it better to, you know, like the psychological difference of being up and then 
cashing out at break even or being down and then cashing up cashing up break even just like how different that that um that experience is and the only difference is is the sequence of being up and down right yeah. and so I, I think sequencing within gambling is a really fascinating um topic discussed but that's for another day uh I got the Kansas City Chiefs. I knew right away. Because here's the thing is, when you get assigned one of these teams, you need to feel confident that it's a team that can win, first of all, and can score more than 30 points, right. which in today's NFL isn't as difficult as it, as it once was. That's correct, um, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's, as we've seen, as you can imagine, not every team can score past 24 points, right, or reliably, <laughs> right? So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's fun to be finally be in this pool, and um, it's nice to have uh, uh, to have won. So well, so d- you say you watched the the uh, Las Vegas Baltimore game last night. I did, but I was so okay. ready for it to be over. It didn't, <laughs> I didn't even so like I probably left the room before the score was even updated on the screen. Okay, and my, I just had not done like I did not even think about the implications of what a touchdown for the Raiders or either team or yeah, well, it's the only well yeah either it, team. Yeah. yeah, it's probably good that you didn't because you would have been going crazy. I don't right. know if you watched the whole rest of the game, but that overtime was insane. Yes. And uh, yeah, I did, it didn't even occur to me that 33 was still in the mix. I was just kind of caught up in the game. And, you know, you're talking about how certain things have to happen. And in this, you know, in OT, when you score, if you score a touchdown, there's no extra point. You don't right. go for an extra point. You don't go for, there's nothing extra. Whereas if in regulation, if you score a touchdown and you know, the clock is at zero, you still kick the extra point. Right. Right. That is kind of a difference. And if they had to kick the extra point, you know, the other player that you were up against, you know, wouldn't have had 33. They would have had 34 probably. Exactly. It wouldn't have mattered. But anyway, yeah, little things. Yeah. Um, I'm still yet to get a Royal Flush in video poker, but I can say that I've won at least one time um, in in the 33 pool. So okay, yeah, yeah. good for you. I uh, <laughs> let me see. I think I've got it here. How many times Mike and I have won? Yeah, here it is. No times have we won in the 33 pool that we've been in many years now. I was since Ed started. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Um, anyhow, this is the only thing I'm doing this year in the NFL too. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. When it comes, so that was, that was a little added bonus, right. To that whole thing is like, I decided to only do the 33 pool once Ed told me that I could get in. Um, and it's nice that it's already paid off. Okay. We're here to talk about the show luck, the way that this is going to work out. We're here. We're going to talk about two episodes, uh, today, probably do every other episode on luck. So next episode, uh, will not be about this show, but then the next episode, we will uh, do two or three more episodes. Yeah, we'll see how many episodes, but yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, this show came out in 2011. Nine episodes were released, and then it was it was originally set to, to obviously go for a second season, um, but there was this huge controversy with the health and deaths of horses involved, and there just was no way that bad PR was going to let that show th- uh, thrive, yeah. right? So um, they had to cancel the show. Uh, it's still considered from a lot of people who see it a good show. I mean, even though it's only had nine episodes um you know a lot of people sort of you know the the tra- the tragedy of the horse is notwithstanding feel like it was a good program um it's a show i don't know if you felt this way mark uh watching it it is a show it's one of those shows where you find yourself constantly going oh it's that guy 
like i feel uh, like sure, yeah. i feel like so <laughs> many that so many of the actors are recognizable they're 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 people that have been in enough things whether big or small that you recognize a lot of the actors yes. uh but dustin hoffman of course is uh is the lead actor uh dennis farina farina right yeah yeah farina uh, yeah mm-hmm. who um my favorite performance from him was in snatch um nick nolte's in this there's i mean and i can go up uh, uh richard kind who i forgot was in this is in this who's, an, who's <laughs> yeah. one of those like characters you, or actors you see in a bunch of stuff even though he doesn't have big roles he's just a like, constantly in, in everything right. um so a very good uh very good program in that way we're two episodes in i know this is your first time through this feels like a first time through for me because even going into the second episode i found myself going i don't remember what happens here mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um what um like what what was your first like are you enjoying it i guess i'll just say like yes. after you watched the first episode were you like okay i'm I'm, in, I'm i'm interested definitely after i watched the first episode i thought okay this is a good show it's well written it's well uh, well acted it's intriguing uh no i definitely enjoyed it one thing about the first episode and almost about the first two episodes i was surprised that the focus really isn't on Dustin Hoffman, even though he's the lead. Yeah. And certainly the first episode, the focus is on these horse players, yeah. these amateur horse players and, you know, their lives and trying to hit a pick six and that kind of thing. Uh, and I'm not complaining because I thought I, I enjoyed that part of the story probably more than, you know, Dustin Hoffman's uh, part of the story. Although, again, we haven't really gotten real deep into that yet. I so I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I, I haven't I've never watched anything from the writers, the producers about this. So I don't know a lot of the creative aspects of it. But I appreciate that they that they have this set of gamblers at the front of the show, even though the poll was definitely Dustin Hoffman, even though he's considered yeah. the lead character. Yeah, I love that. They're sort of the the their little group is sort of what carries the show, because I think a show that a show that is about horse racing and is about and ultimately the story arc as you learn in the first episode is going to be about dustin hoffman's character who gets released from jail and he's looking to acquire a horse he's looking to build a casino these are things start sort of learning about uh his character i mean that's i i can't imagine after watching two episodes again and thinking about how this like progresses I'm now that I th- now that I think about sort of what what I can't remember about the series, I can't imagine that, that storyline would carry itself, right? It's this group <laughs> yeah. of degenerates that really make the show entertaining and make yeah, me, and, yep. yeah. I agree and uh, you know some of it is okay, you've got um Dustin Hoffman who's maybe kind of mobbed up. He's looking for revenge. He went to prison, but basically it he is looking for revenge on the people that he went to prison for. He was not guilty of what he went to prison for. And not a lot of us can relate to that. But these guys grinding it out, you know, at the racetrack every day and looking at the racing form and trying to hit this, you know, these big hits and the arguments between them and that kind of thing. That's more relatable. Uh, It's certainly, I think, a more entertaining story at this point. Again, we're only two episodes in. Yep. Um, So we get uh, no timestamps. as we'll just because we're going through the uh, the program as a whole, um, probably going to touch on a few things that aren't necessarily gambling related, simply because we are touching on the entire series, um, and I think it's worth touching on some of the plot points uh, from time to time. Um, Dustin Hoffman, 
first uh, we see him get released out of jail. Uh, he's referred to as Ace. We quickly learned that this is uh, <laughs> that this is his nickname. Yeah. Uh, Dennis Farina, um, who goes by the Greek, is his driver, essentially uh, his sort of second hand or right hand man, if you will. Um, and they start discussing ownership for a horse. Uh, Dustin Farina's character, the Greek, um, has gotten his license to be a horse owner. They're going down this trajectory. They set up this this story arc of them acquiring a horse. Right. So Dennis Farina's character is basically a front because Dustin Hoffman is really the owner of the horse. It right. turns out that Farina won this big jackpot on a slot machine that was apparently arranged. And, uh, you know, he is technically legally the owner of the horse, but really it's going to be Dustin Hoffman's character, Ace, that's pulling the strings. Right. Who, as you can imagine, can't because he's a felon um, yeah. and yeah. felons. Uh, you know, so that's that's um, the obvious workaround there. Yep. Um, something I was curious. So at the very front of this um, this episode, they show shots of San Manuel. And then everything from that point on is at Santa Anita. Huh. Okay. I don't know if you caught that. No, I didn't. So at the very, so at the very, like the first shots that we see of tracks after this, after Dustin Hoffman gets released from jail, there's a couple quick shots and Sam Manuel branding is like on the horse track screen and stuff like that. And then after that, we only see Santa Anita track stuff. I'm I, see the thing is I don't think there's a San Manuel racetrack. No, and and I'm guessing that maybe the San Manuel it's just advertising at Santa Anita. Oh, uh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's what I'm guessing is actually the case. Oh, because, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Yeah, San Manuel is a casino, and right. you know, a tribal casino down here. Um, yeah, I'm guessing that's probably is Santa the case. Anita only a track. Uh, or that's is there? A good, that's a good question. I'm trying okay. to think. I know that Hollywood Park, when it was a track, had a casino along with it, basically a card room. Uh, I'm going to look it up so that we get this right. But okay. I don't. I don't think Santa Anita has a casino attached to it. I'll. I'll. I'll check or a card room or anything. Okay. So um, we quickly we learned that there's a uh, there's a 2.6 million dollar pick six going on at Santa Anita, and this is. Uh, pick the three correct uh, or picked uh, uh, winners in six races. You win this uh, jackpot. Um, you later learn that the for people who are like unfamiliar with it, you later learn that the jackpot is dependent on the the odds of the horse in the last race, but it could be up to two point six million dollars. And we ha- we meet this little group of degenerates. Um, I don't know. We'll call them, I don't want to call them all degenerates, but they're gamblers, and the movie, the show, definitely tries to make you feel that at least a few of them are degenerates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we, they all try to sort of find ways to contribute monetarily to the pool, but it's ultimately Jerry who is identified as a degenerate from a few of the characters, who apparently is a sharp horse handicapper that makes his picks for, uh, makes his picks for the first race or for the set of races. Right. The big the, the the thing they really focus on going into most of uh, before they sort of get into the latter part of the races is how he only picked one horse in the fourth race. I think it was something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the strategy on this obviously would be to have multiple tickets that have multiple trajectories of winners. Right. Like 
you know, if you want the two, three, and six horse in one in the first race, the you know four, five, nine horse, and and the idea is to have so many different options that one ticket sort of squeaks through. But the uh, the characters were concerned that he only like he chose one horse in the fourth. So every ticket they had, regardless of its different sort of way it was going through with the uh, picks and the other races in the fourth, he had the he had the, he had just had that one horse. And I really appreciated this because this was a huge nod to game theory because <laughs> they chose he chose this horse because he trusted the train or they trust the owner who I guess hadn't had a horse on the track in in a couple years or um, I can't remember exactly why the other characters were skeptical, but he really believed in the owner. And and because the skepticism would have been had by everybody else involved in the pick six it would have knocked a, a, a huge chunk of who's involved in the pick six pool out of it. Yeah. Really great um, look into game theory, which I really appreciated. Yeah. I like that. I think that a lot of players who play the pick six too, kind of like the, to pick all the horses in the last race. So if they make it that far, they know they're going to win. It's yep. not necessarily a good strategy, but I think psychologically they want to, the team here didn't do that. But they were talking about how they wanted a relative long shot to win the final race because that would reduce the number of winning tickets and I, make their payoff bigger. I thought did they, they have everything? All, I think they had all in the last race. Okay, maybe they did. I, uh, yeah, they I may did. be misremembering. So, yeah, uh, okay, if they did, so they're guaranteed a win, but they still are hoping for long shots to win. Yes. Again, so that fewer t- there'd be fewer winning tickets and they'd have the, the biggest payoff. And the, so, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. Cause I, they- uh, I watched this first episode a few weeks ago. Yeah. So that's not as fresh in my mind as the second one. So I, so on the napkin that Jerry has it written, he has like three horse, three or four horses picked for every one of them, except for the one horse in the fifth. And then he just has all written yeah, on, okay. the la- uh, on the yeah, last yeah. one. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but you're right. They do get to the, um, when it comes to the last one, I think they, they would win as little as 43,000 and as much as 2.6, right. depending on the range of, um, uh, of the odds on that horse. Yeah. Um, they, uh, as, uh, Ace and the Greek are entering the casino. You quickly learn that uh, that it reminded me of um, uh, what was the movie we watched with James Caan in it? Um, with, uh, uh, with, Vegas. With, uh, uh, sorry, uh, leaving Vegas. Honeymoon in Vegas. Honeymoon, Honeymoon in Vegas. Vegas. There we go. Uh, sort of how like he showed up and just expected his suite to be available and everything. It reminded yeah. me very much of that. Like yeah. uh, Dustin Hoffman shows up. They make they make jokes about the suite or whatever, uh, and it's yeah. clear that he's getting set up with with what he needs there. Yeah. Um, and they make the comment, man with a golden arm and how he got that $5 million jackpot. We later learned that that was arranged, um, in a way that, that, uh, so that way he would, uh, be the person who got that. Um, Jerry is getting a loan from a security guard, um, 1000 minimum with three points, uh, at three points a week. Um, I thought this was a, I like that they got the jargon right here. Um, if you're taking a, if you're taking a loan from a shark or, or from a fellow player that you often hear, like how many points that's just interest, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, yep. um, so he's getting three, you know, uh, for every week that goes by, if he took that thousand, uh, thousand alone, three, uh, 3% interest piles on every week. Yep. Um, but then he ultimately, uh, instead of taking the loan, uh, takes a simple 50 bucks to then give the security guard his picks for the pick six that we then learned that the security guard doesn't make. 
Yeah, which that's I, what it seems like. Yeah. Yeah. Which I Talk actually myself out of it. I don't know. Yeah. And I wasn't really quite sure. I didn't know why. Like it didn't. It, it maybe there's a maybe we learn learn more. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know how deep they can get into this. But like you learn that he doesn't, and then the and then the security guard um like proposition makes another proposition to them later. But it, it isn't really clear why he doesn't make the picks. Yeah, that's he true. It's because uh, he he acknowledges that Jerry's a sharp handicapper. I think yeah. at some point. And so yeah, it's it was kind of bizarre that he was willing to pay 50 bucks for the picks, but then never did anything with them. I don't yeah, know. that is strange because it is a plot point. At one point, the, the rest of the team are angry that Jerry gave him the pick because they're thinking now, oh, we're going to have to split this pick six money, you know, with yeah. the security guard. Uh, so actually, I mean, that is some drama there for a while, but it doesn't pan out, like you said, because he didn't make the pick. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, but we do find... Um, <laughs> this this was a line from Dennis Hoffman. Um, uh, I can't, he's in a meeting with someone and he just makes a comment. He's like, "I shrunk. All right, I got to get new shirts." <laughs> uh-huh. And I don't know what it was about that line. It was such a throwaway line, uh, but the, the way he delivers it, so uh, it, it was funny. Um, just the, the, like, oh man, I need new shirts. Mm-hmm. Um, we we find out that they get to the final race. Uh, we find out that they they've made it this far. Um, they they have no reason to believe that they have to split the pot with anybody, right? That doesn't seem that they have not picked up on the idea that maybe anybody else has this ticket. So the they spend a good three, four, five minutes just on this like one plot, the plot point of them. There's there's the one guy who has no idea what's going on, uh, which and I love that kind of character in a gambling setting, right? Where he just doesn't quite understand how much we win or why, right? Right. Um, but you know they can win as much as like forty something thousand or little as forty something thousand, as much as two point six million. Uh, the long shot ends up coming through, and they quickly decide that they're going to try to like keep a low profile because the local news is there is already there to interview the winners of the pick six. The, tra- the track knows that someone won, right? They yeah. wrote the tickets, so they know yeah. that someone has it. Um, but they're deciding not to go forward for that this made me think of and i want your thoughts here um maybe your experience this made me think of when players win jackpots at the slot machine and then they get their picture posted on social media right Mm -hmm. and how i remember we were in biloxi and i asked rob and the other guys like would you ever do this we all agree no like have you ever like got a hand pay or something that was big enough that the the casino asked to take a photo for for social media and if you haven't like would you like would you do it i wouldn't no um i i've never been in that position okay uh if it were a very large amount i'd probably be less likely <laughs> you know what yep. i mean if it was like ten thousand dollars like oh, whatever but you know yeah if it's two million it's like no i don't want to be don't a want part of anybody it, you know? knowing that yeah. Was, yeah yeah and well on top of that that yeah they don't want anybody to know certainly initially and they want to try to figure out okay what are we going to do about taxes because yep. they don't they just they just don't know they're trying to you know they're they want to have some time to think about how they're going to deal with all this money right yep. something that happens in that last race where they win um is the worst part of the entire freaking show okay um 
it's when the horse breaks its leg oh worst part yeah sure yeah it's the worst part of the whole series is (laughs) it like i knew it was coming and i was like constantly trying to do this right like i was trying to anticipate it enough where i could pull away because um you i mean you you, me even joe on the last admitted like there's a lot of reasons why we don't like the sport anymore like we 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 enjoy it for a lot of reasons but ultimately it's tough to uh support it and this is one of the reasons is uh, a horse gets run to death until it can't no more, and then it's it's cheaper to just put it down than it is to try to give it a life again. Yeah, and uh, you know, I didn't know that it was coming, and I it's sort of ironic if that's the right word that this is why the show was shut down. Yeah, even though obviously when you see the horse break its leg, they're using special effects CGI or whatever. You know, right. it's not a a real situation, but still to think that okay. This happened. This does happen. This does. This happen. happened making this show. Uh, yeah, that that's rough. Yep. Yeah. Um, so if you have not, oh, something we've heard. Um, Tim Kennedy left this uh, um, comment for us on our on our stuff, and I'm gonna actually take it to heart until someone says otherwise. He said, "Don't worry about spoilers. If they decided not to watch it before listening to the <laughs> podcast, it's kind of on them." And I actually, I, I actually think that's a good point. So, oh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, in this case, there uh, we're talking about episodic television. Sure. So you know what we we don't give away the ending to epi- each episode, but then right. we pick up the next episode. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. It's different than talking about a movie. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um. So, uh, if you if you haven't watched it and just heard us talk about that, now you can be prepared. Uh, yeah, that yeah. that it's it's difficult to to see. Yeah. Um. Even though you know it's not real. Um. Yeah. Yeah. The uh. So the group of gamblers they win the pick six and they are, um. They're trying to keep this low profile. They're like I said. They're trying to figure out what to do with taxes. There's one gentleman who uh, his feels like kind of not the leader of the group, but sort of the lightning rod. If that not the lightning rod, that's not the right word for it either. Um, he's like the leader. He's like the yeah, mo of the Three Stooges, right? right. You know, it's yeah. like yeah, he's the guy. Yeah, um, he's very adamant that the other guys don't mess this up, right? There's right. There, there's one, two, three, four, four of them. There's, there's really four of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, there's yeah. four of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't know if anybody can hear this. Is uh, I'm on a I'm on a military base right now, and they just got the. I heard playing, it. Yeah, the yeah. taps right now. I so if anybody it, can yeah. hear that, uh, go ahead and stand up. Just pre- your, just pretend it's the uh, it's whatever the bugler does at the beginning of the horse race. I don't know what the name of this song is. Just oh, you know, yeah. pretend that was what you heard. <laughs> what is that? I don't even know. Uh, we should, um, but that's yeah. Good. yeah, we should. <laughs> oh well. Oh well. I will say this, you know, as I'm watching this show, I'm thinking, wow, they sure got horse racing right. But yeah. at the same time, it's like I don't know a lot of it. You know, I'm not an expert on horse racing, so you know, maybe they didn't get everything right, but it sure seems like they're getting it right. Yeah. Um, by the way, this happens every day, Monday through Sunday, um, which is, I guess, fine in the evening. But imagine like Sunday, Saturday morning, and you just want to sleep in, and stupid Reveille plays at eight, eight seven thirty in the morning, wakes uh-huh. everybody up. But it's like this is two thousand and twenty-one. We all have our own alarms. We don't need <laughs> Reveille to play to wake us all up, right? Like, uh, yeah. Uh, but you know the military and its traditions. Um, all right, that that's actually kind of all I have for episode one. 
Uh, yeah, um, I'm looking here. Oh, you know, the, just there's one quote here. Uh, it, I love uh, when people talk about chalk. I'm fascinated by what yes. does chalk mean? But when they're watching the race, that final race, they want the number two horse to win. And one of them is saying, is, is the two drifting out or the chalk now? Is the two drifting out or the chalk? And I love that because it's like, okay, the two, that's who they want, the long shot, the chalk. That's the favorite. Yep. And, you know, that's just the way that they're talking. So I like yeah. that. I like they put that line in. Um, yeah, I think that's it for the first show. I'll have some general comments about both episodes, but that's all I have specifically for the first one. Yeah. Uh, I guess one thing that gets mentioned that I didn't bring up that's worth bringing up for the context of the next episode, the degenerate who handicaps horses and in essentially was the person responsible for picking all these winners um he admits to losing his track winnings previously at in a poker game mm-hmm. um so so we go into him making these picks learning that he plays poker and it as far as we know recently lost yeah um which uh, gets kind of uh, which carries on into episode two um so we so Jerry, who uh, is the the guy. So I think what's what's interesting about this, right, is Jerry essentially went into this with no money, right? So so um, if you don't watch it, you just hear that a group of guys won the pick six, but it was on one guy's picks. You'd be like, what? Jerry didn't put any money in. His contribution yeah. was the picks. Yeah. And so I think I I like that they showed like he wouldn't have made any money because he couldn't have afforded the tickets for it. Right. They wouldn't have made any money because they didn't they wouldn't have handicapped the you know, right. So I, I liked that you have this group of guys, some some guys uh floated the, the the money for it, one guy makes the picks, they and there was no arguing, right? Yeah, that's, right, they, right. They, yeah. Yeah. They, that's, yeah, that's the you know, I was kind of expecting there to be some sort of like backstabbing attempt at like someone getting a little more than someone else, but but nope, they're just like, all right, we did it. We all it's, it's actually refreshing that there wasn't any of that. Yeah. And it's something else you learn about them as these gamblers. That's the that's the unwritten rule, or that's the agreement, that's the arrangement. Yep. Yep. Um, so we, we episode two, uh Jerry's playing at Hustler's Casino. Good nice little shot of the Hustler Casino uh felt there. Yep. He loses a very contentious hand to what we assume is a card room regular that he has seen many times. Mm-hmm. Uh there's a lot of trash talking and banter during this uh during this hand. Jerry ultimately loses his straight to his foe's flush. I was paying more attention to the narrative. I didn't really pay attention to the poker. Did you notice anything about the game worth worth mentioning here? No, it looked fine to me. Yeah. Okay. No, it looked very good. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um Ace is working on a scheme to open a casino in Sacramento. Here's something that I was having a hard time tracking or th- thought maybe I missed in episode one or didn't pick up in the, in like, how did they plan on opening a, like casino gaming isn't legal outside of tribal casinos. And they like, even mention it in the episode, in the second episode. So, right. But I know what you're getting at. It doesn't, I, I don't know how they're going to do it. If they're, they've got some legislators in their pocket or something that they're yeah. going to, that, no, that wasn't clear how that was going to happen because, yeah, Ace actually does say, you know, they're not legal right now, but that is his plan. So, no, I'm not sure exactly how he's going to carry it out. Yeah. So, uh, that question's definitely there, especially if you're someone who's familiar with uh, gaming in California. Um, 
the the gentleman i keep on i should just get his character's name right couldn't refer to him multiple times um kevin dunn playing marcus marcus Um, yeah Mm -hmm. marcus uh is starting to get upset at the other gamblers in this group because they are not being subtle about the fact that they have won a good sum of money and he is very uh both for safety and as you mentioned tax reasons very concerned that people are uh, may catch up on catch into why they have this money right mm-hmm. like i actually kind of like that he know that that he's smart enough to know it's not going to take too much figuring out to think a pick six was just won by a group of people and these guys are always at the track and now they <laughs> yeah. have a bunch of money yeah, right? right i like that there's a character who was quick enough to be like that's not going to be difficult for people to figure out um and he is very concerned uh some you know one guy has a new one guy has a suit that he's worried about one guy wants to like uh claim a horse that's going to cost some money uh jerry keeps on going back going to the poker table and is playing at a higher level than he normally does and and marcus is is concerned that that's going to be tipping off too many people um so this is there's already sort of um um uh, a challenge within the group for like marcus is there's a, a one there's like so much marcus new marcus is in a wheelchair so it's not like uh you know he doesn't have any sort of physical prowess over over these guys he can really only use his words which are very crude <laughs> and uh insulting and uh let's be fa- let's face it um you know the the show does a good job of showing that these that this set of gamblers got lucky in a lot of ways here they're not the most prudent people with money right yep uh yeah um he uh what do we got here um we then get to a claim race which i thought was a really cool thing for them to add in here agreed yeah um i only sort of knew this uh in theory ahead of time going into watching this um like when i said claim race like I i thought i had an idea but they do a decent job i think of explaining it um what I didn't pick up on, and maybe maybe you know more about this, what like how does a horse become a horse in a claim race? Does like the owner just say, "I'm putting this horse up for claim"? Or... That's my understanding. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the, the yeah, they just run it in a claim race. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the claim race being, uh, if you want to own a horse, uh, <laughs> owners who are looking to offload a horse that either isn't bringing them the value they think they might, or for whatever reason put their horses in a claim race you put in the claim before the race and the claim holds after the race regardless of results um at least that's what they claim in the show there may be i'm sure there's probably more nuance to it in real life but um and so one of the characters who uh and i should probably also just learn this guy's name uh at this point uh where'd he go um renzo richie Renzo, the one who mm -hmm. yeah He he uh is gets linked up with a, a possible tra- a potential trainer for this horse um who knows a little bit about um uh this the, who may know a little about this horse to put in a claim for it. This horse is owned by uh Turo Escalante, who's played by John Ortiz, who may be the best performance through two episodes so far. Uh, really fantastic character. Yeah. John or um, uh, uh, Escalante is putting this horse in. Oh, so this was something I was having a hard time tracking as well. He has the horse in the race and 
he has bandages on the front of uh, on the front legs of this horse and the guy that uh renzo's working with even says he may be bluffing people here mm-hmm. with that mm-hmm. um Re- um escalante then talks to ace and is like uh ace in, in the greek and says uh he he meets them there's a possible transact they're working on a transaction for a different horse but Escalante tips them off of saying, you know, hey, you, uh, you may want to put a little something on my guy here in the claim mm-hmm. race. Yeah. So I, and then the race is over, and um, Escalante's horse wins. This one that had the bandages on that a bunch of people have bet on for different reasons, whether they were tipped off by Escalante or whatever reason. And then someone comes up and clips a claim tag on them on the horse, and Escalante looks looks surprised and then yeah. frustrated upset that's and at first i was like well why'd you put the horse in a stupid claim race to begin with and then you kind of figure out that like escalante is a better right he is gambling on his horses based off of what he knows and i think i think you start the show and i'm curious if this is how you picked up on it too it's almost there he was trying to undersell this horse as a claim race horse knowing the horse was going to beat the field to get a bigger payday on this horse, not expecting to then also lose the horse through a claim at the end of the race. I think you got it. Yeah. Okay. I, I, you know, unless there's something I'm missing too. And again, I'm no horse racing expert, but yeah, I think you got it. That was his intent. He was trying to deceive people. Uh, and then he thought his deception was good enough that nobody would claim the horse. But in fact, two parties wanted to claim the horse so yes so uh renzo and another gentleman had claims on the horse the other guy ends up getting it renzo was very disappointed he was going to give the horse to his friends (laughs) so like in it was such it was almost kind of a sweet moment where like that's why he's disappointed right he had his like cool gift to give to his like can you imagine someone giving you a horse (laughs) yeah yeah he you know he's sort of of the four he's sort of the sweet maybe not so smart you know of the four and you know he thought he was doing a, a favor uh, for the group. So yeah, that right. was his intent. Yep. Um, but yeah, a, a cool little um, storyline or part of the yep. story to put in there mm-hmm. with the, with the claim race. Yep. Um, and to your point again, like it's nice. They're putting these industry things in this show um, yeah. and getting, and getting them right. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, the Greek makes a comment. This is the biggest bet I've made by $195. Um, which I think is a comment on the fact that he probably bet five dollars on the million or the on the five million dollar jackpot uh, that he won. I'm assuming. Well, that maybe. Although it did, did I, I'm trying to remember the exact line. Uh, maybe that was it. I thought he was saying it was the m- most he'd ever spent on a horse bet, but maybe you're right. Maybe he oh. is talking about the slot machine bet. Yeah, maybe. But but, but you're yeah. right. That does come out that he just made a two hundred dollar bet on this horse. And it was $195 more than the bet he'd ever made before. I didn't catch the odds on the horse. Did you catch the odds on the horse? Uh, no, I don't think. Okay. No, I didn't either. Yeah. Yeah. I was uh, looking for it. I wasn't willing to rewind to see if I'd missed it. No. Uh, yeah. It might have been written somewhere, but I don't think anybody right. said it out loud. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then at, towards the end of the episode, uh, Jerry is back at the poker tables. Uh, and I'm curious in your thoughts on uh, definitely on on how the money got introduced to this this table. Uh, after losing a big hand uh, to the same nemesis, we'll we'll call him, uh, Jerry buys in for even more. Yeah, he uh, just for, keeps going back. He back, keeps yeah. going back. And then they cut to a scene where he brings in, looks like tens of thousands of dollars yeah. um, to match a bet 
made at the table and the casino the floor man who's running the game even notes they're making an exception for this this situation only as both parties have agreed to and that this is like normal house rules will not be affected and they will normal house rules goes back into place after the hand and essentially jerry brought in a bunch of money to match a proposed large bet from his nemesis so he could call the bet and the house allowed it Right. Do you feel like the do you feel like that worked out the way you would expect it to in a normal poker room? Yeah, so let, let's back up a little bit and talk about the things that we hate about poker on TV and movies. Number one is the string bet, the string raise. That is where a character says, I see your $50 and I raise you $200. That's right. known as a string bet or a string raise. You're not allowed to do that. You have to just make one action. I raise. The idea being that if you say, I call your $50, then you can look for a reaction from the person that you're calling and then maybe raise or maybe not raise. Right. Uh, I I do allow some slack there because that definitely does happen in real life in home games where the players just don't know that's not allowed. It wouldn't fly at a casino, but it does happen in home games. So let that fly sometimes. But something that we can't let fly is the situation where it's a no limit game. And one person says, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to raise $10,000. And the guy says, well, I, the other guy says, well, I don't have $10,000. Well, what do you have? Yeah. How about that watch? That, yeah. yeah. Something like that. That doesn't make any, and when you think about, well, first of all, it's not allowed, but it also doesn't make any sense because all you have to do is be the guy with the most money at the table Right. Say, you know, a million dollars, you could do that all night. And if nobody can call your million dollars, you'll win every single pot. In real poker, the most that you can risk, the most you can lose is whatever's in front of you at the time. Yep. Okay. The only exception to that would be if both parties agreed to put in more money and they both have to agree and, and the amount. And this is what happened here. The two different parties, Jerry and his nemesis, have agreed. Yeah, his nemesis probably said, "Hey, what you know? What if I raise twenty five thousand dollars or whatever it is? Would you call it?" And both parties would have to agree, and the casino would have to agree in this case. And I'm going to tell you exactly what the floor said. They said this is a house ruling for this hand only by agreement of both players. Cash not on the table at the beginning of the hand has now been put into action. So that is critical. I love that they did that, that they knew the the creators of the show knew enough about poker to know this would have to be an exception. And that's exactly what happened here. And kudos to them. I think that was a great job that they did uh, handling this poker situation uh, to deal with, you know, all the terrible times it's happened in movies where it's not agreed upon or one guy's, you know, bullying because he's got more money. So I'm really glad that they got this right. Yeah. Uh, Jerry ends up winning the, the, the hand. Um, he has now he, okay. So here's. All right. Let's talk about strategy. Cause that's a different thing. How realistic was that? What you're going to get out is so, how realistic was this situation. So he has Kings. He has pocket Kings. Right. He learned he has pocket Kings at the time, at the time that they, 
finally call the action and both players are in and they turn over their cards we learn that uh he jerry has pocket kings his nemesis has queen 10 and it's queen no 10, it's ace queen or ace queen he has You're right. ace queen that's right mm-hmm. ace queen and it's like ace queen rag on on the flop yes mm-hmm. so this is why i don't like no i don't think like so here's what i'm asking here's what i'm wondering I kept on trying to give Jerry the benefit of the doubt that he was a decent poker player and that he just was like this, he, this bad luck, you know, is this showing that, no, he really is a degenerate chasing action. Because well, yeah, it, it, it definitely, a- yeah, it definitely shows that. And here's the other argument. I'm arguing that they got the mechanics, right? Right. Okay. But now you're sitting back and saying what he called extra money with pocket kings when there's an ace on the flop forget about the guy ended up having you know two pair yeah just any ace would have jerry beat so yeah we could talk forever about oh come on would would jerry would anybody do this right it's a terrible move he ends up you know spiking a king on the river to win the hand with trip kings but would anybody go for this so that's a whole different argument yeah it's a terrible terrible call on jerry's part at this point so i think at this point in the you know two episodes in there's nine episodes i think that we i think i think the message here is that jerry is definitely a degenerate that it's not that he's not an unlucky guy at poker that he does truly make poor decisions at a poker table and where i'm going to give him a little bit of the benefit of doubt in this scenario he was definitely on tilt because of this guy Right. So I guess you can make the argument, maybe he doesn't force the issue with another player. Maybe it's because it's this guy and he was sick of being beaten and bullied by this guy that he, because you, I, I know I've seen poker players disbelieve that they're beaten because they believe that the guy, the other person's just bullying them and doesn't actually have a hand. And, and so I know that scenario happens. And I think Jerry's definitely the kind of guy that would, that would fall for that or buy into that of like, he doesn't have it. He's just bullying me because he's been beating me Mm -hmm. all night. Right. 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 So that's the benefit of the doubt that I give Jerry. But I do think that from the first word of him being called a degenerate by Marcus in like, you know, minute 10 in the first episode and the fact that he kept on going back to the trunk of his car for more cash to buy in at higher stakes to keep on playing I do think that he's a uh, a degenerate chasing action, and it and it it came to it manifested in the in the worst way ever in a big hand against his poker nemesis. Yeah, I mean to give Jerry a little more credit too. We don't know what the history is that he has with this player. Sure. You know, maybe he has some reads on this player that you know he thought he was making the right move here. Uh, that could be, in fact, you know, in this in our poker tournament, the you can bet on that poker tournament recently. Uh, I was in a hand, and on the river, the guy to my right uh, bet. He hadn't been betting. I'd been betting the whole way. I can't remember exactly what I had, like second pair. I don't know. Not the greatest hand. Well, it turns out he's one of uh, my card night buddies, and I know the way he plays. And if he had not been, I would have folded that hand. As it turns out, I made a call. It turns out he was bluffing or maybe making a big bet with not that great a hand, and I won the hand. Again, had it been anyone else, people that I didn't know, I would have folded that hand. So, you know, to give maybe some benefit of the doubt, he might have some history. But going back to what you're saying, yes, I think the writers of the show, I think the show is trying to show us he's a degenerate. I think that's the point. 
Uh, by the way, shout out to Randall Shadowin, uh, who he won, dominated who, who, our tournament. <laughs> yes, he won the whole thing, right? Yep. And he got the bounty for you and or no, for me and Mike. Uh, yeah, Doctor Mike. And yep. he was on the table with me at one point. He he could have taken me out too. There yep. were a few hands there. Oh yeah, nobody could stop him. I mean, yeah, he was getting cards, but still, you know, even at that final table, it's like he the final table didn't last very long because he had a huge chip lead and maintained it. Yeah, we it was were, a great performance. <laughs> uh, we were talking about in the Discord um, uh, that if he got all three bounties, I would just have to have him on the Better Life by default. Like, he just keeps oh, the next interview. Everything, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, it was close. Yeah, uh, there we go. And in any, uh, you can bet on that tournament. If someone gets all three bounties, you have a free, you, you're welcome on the Better Life uh, uh, to, to be a guest. Good. Um, great tournament. Uh, sorry, I was late. Uh, <laughs> it was one of those days, like every day leading up to it, I kept on thinking, uh, you know, Sunday's a tournament, Sunday's a tournament. And then Sunday happened and I completely forgot. Like it yeah. was like every day leading up to it. I was like, I can't forget that I have this tournament on Sunday. And then it was like, you know, on Sunday, it hadn't even dawned on me that it was Sunday until yeah. you texted me. And I was like, yeah. oh crap, that's today. I, I went to your table. It's like, sitting out what's yeah. going on and i you know was i was uh, you know messaging the people on the table i'm not sure why tim's not here and i was concerned yeah because <laughs> i i'm glad he messaged me because yeah. uh i i didn't actually have much going on that day i just it just it, it, i forgot that it was sunday yeah. um so i hopped in there a bunch of people were able to hop into discord and uh it was fun. i can't remember what hand he beat me on but i i, I can't remember the, the specifics but i do remember I had like ace king or something like that. I I was a little shorter in chips. I was just looking for a good opportunity to push with a strong hand. Um, I got ace king, I think. And then I don't remember exactly what hit the board, but I ended up getting top pair. It looked like I was going to win. And then he got a straight on the, yeah. like whatever, whatever his, uh, whatever, you know, uh, I can't, there was a bunch of like middle cards, right? Six, seven, eight, right. that sort of stuff. He just happened to have the fifth card for the straight there. Yeah. So yeah. I even got excited. I was like, yes. And then I saw the chips go to him. I was like, what? yeah, <laughs> I know. It goes I was so like, oh, there's, yeah, he has this straight. Yeah. I guess that does beat my pair of aces. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So that is the first two episodes of luck. Um, what uh if you i don't know if you have an answer to this yet if, if you want to pull up the cast to, to, to refresh who is so far maybe your favorite performance of the show like who which character you really feel like is really is is carrying their weight okay well for me it's kevin dunn as marcus the bitter disabled uh horse player uh he's it, it, most people probably would know him from veep uh he was a major character in veep oh, with sure. louis dreyfus right but uh yeah he's playing this character very well he he's uh, you know we're not exactly sure why he's so bitter although the fact that he's in a wheelchair might have something to do with it but yeah like you said he's almost the leader of this group and you know is he likable not really but i think he's a good character on the show yeah, yeah. <laughs> how about you you were saying maybe uh john ortiz yeah i think for me right now it's john ortiz uh playing escalante um i think his aesthetic is just right you know mm-hmm. like just like the yeah the, however they decided to do his hair and everything his his aesthetic is just uh this works for me yeah. um and i i think he's doing a really good job of um uh you know his little dialogue between him and dustin hoffman's been really good like they're they're like being they're being 
businessmen who don't trust each other, which is always an interesting mm-hmm. dynamic, yeah, yeah. right? Like they're yeah. both determined to get to the end of the deal, but you can tell that neither of them really trust the other person. Yeah. Um, so I think his his dynamic, the dynamic he has with a few other characters is good. Uh, Richard Kind, uh, who plays a jockey agent uh, for a, for one of the supporting cast, I think is it might be my favorite character right now because um, he's like he's balancing this like this agent who's irritated with every jockey he works with but he shows that he also empathizes with the challenges that become that a jockey has so mm-hmm. that um he's doing a really good job at that character yeah you know we've talked about richard kind in the past and i said that he basically saying plays the same character you know no matter what he's in but this is a great example of yeah he's still playing the same character which is normally played for laughs he does yep. more comedy than anything else, but he's able to take this same character and drop him into this drama. Yeah. And whereas, yeah, I guess he's funny in a way in in that he's kind of pathetic and, you know, all over the place and worries like crazy. It's still the Richard Kind character, but he's doing a great job in this role. Yeah. Yep. Uh, something I forgot to put on my notes, but I know I thought of and wanted to bring it up. Um, and something something that I've said out loud to a number of people in this community and have gotten different responses from them, from people each time. And I'm curious your thoughts at a macro level. We don't have to get into the micro of this, but when, when Marcus is frustrated with some of his team, we'll call his teammates, his, his mm-hmm. friends, like he's being nasty and crude with them. And one of them, maybe makes a comment. You're just afraid of being alone, right? Like you're, you're free. Like, and someone told me one time, and I think I agree with them generally. And I've said this before. And like I said, I've gotten mis- mixed reviews from people who've heard me say it. Gamblers are kind of miserable. Like, like the average gambler, I think has a, has a sense of misery either about their personality or that's kind of buried a little bit and is really easy to sort of manifest itself when things aren't going right in a way that's different from normal human emotion, I think. And I think there is a bit of loneliness that comes around with that gamble. Like being a gambler Mm -hmm. does sort of breed loneliness. Even though we have friends, we go to the tables and stuff together. I think every, I don't know if you've ever done this, Mark. I've definitely like been at a table and been like, why am I doing this? Why am I here? Why, why am I doing something else? Right. Uh-huh. Like um, there's the, obviously the losing of money that that make that, that uh, can create misery. Um, there's the feeling of loss, right. Even out, even out, not just the loss of money, but like I made a decision and I was incorrect about my decision. That's something we have to keep on facing over and over. There's the stereotyping, the stigma, the assumptions, all that sort of stuff. And I think that gamblers generally can kind of just be miserable people. Look at sports betting Twitter. I mean, you'll find misery up and down in anybody who's interacting in that sense. And it's not just that that's on social media. I think that there's something that Steven speaks to the kind of person uh, that that is involved in this. Um how would you respond to that statement? Well, yeah, and it's hard to make a sweeping statement. Of course, sure. everybody's different, but I certainly understand 
that argument. I see it in a lot of people, a lot of gamblers that I know. You mentioned sports. I see that a lot in sports fans as well. Yeah. It's sort of like, you know, they're miserable. I, how often on our show have we talked about how miserable we are in San Diego, right? You know, I mean, it's almost like we enjoy saying that more than, you know, when good things happen. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but I know I'm kind of rambling now. I, I definitely do see that as uh, an aspect to a lot of gamblers. Yeah, they're just yep. that's and even when they're telling stories, it, it seems like they're more passionate when they're telling stories about bad beats than they yeah. are about successes, you know, and what are they saying? Misery loves company. Right. You know, and that, right? that kind of co- goes back to losing hurts more than winning feels good, you know, and again, yeah. this goes back to sports. So, uh, yeah, I can certainly, I'm not going to argue the other side necessarily other than to say, yeah, we're all different, but yeah, I, <laughs> yes. I, and, sure, like, I, I, it's, I a, it's a macro statement, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not uh, that, if you're listening, don't be don't. I hope no one thinks like, oh, is Tim talking about me? I've never thought about any individual this way. No. And, you know, this. Yeah, this is something yeah. we love. I mean, we've got podcasts <laughs> devoted yeah. to it for crying out loud. You know, the last thing we want to do is, you know, alienate people because, with you know, we're part of this and we've yeah. gone through this kind of like you said. Yeah, I have been especially in Vegas. I have been. It's like, what am I doing at this table? I should just go to bed right now. You know? right. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. you do get to that point. So, sure. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, we got the best performances. Um, let's, let's go with, um, let's wrap up. What's sort of a development you're hoping to see in the next couple episodes? Mm, Gosh, I don't know. I, hmm, that's a good question. I, I, I like the way that the show is teaching you about horse racing because it's not yeah. in your fat if in your face you know it's not like a a lesson that you're learning every time um so i want a little bit more of that maybe some of the nuances uh, of horse racing that i'm not familiar with and again i'm no expert but i hope uh, maybe to see that a little bit how about you uh, uh to your, i mean you mentioned um earlier maybe getting more of marcus's story on why he's so yeah, some background, bitter yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to get a little bit more on, on sort of Escalante as a, as a, like, is he more of a better? Is he more of a horse bet? Like a horse trainer? Like, which one is he more of? Mm. Like, we know that he's betting on these horses based on what he knows of his horses compared to the field. Um, we obviously know that he's a talented trainer because his horses are performing well, but I'm curious if he's a better who found an angle in, have in horses and that's why he got in the industry or, he realized he's so good at understanding horses, he turned into being a, becoming a better. Like, like which one's more true? So I want to get a little bit more um, out of his story. I'd like to see a little bit more about Jerry, maybe Jerry's background, but I am kind of anticipating Jerry to go to a very dark place here before too long because, you know, okay, we've determined he's a degenerate. Well, he won this huge hand with a two-outer on the river and you know is that good for a degenerate well no it's not right you know it's it's uh you know he's convinced himself that he did the right thing and i'm anticipating things are going to go poorly for him so jerry is a really great example going back to the misery of being a gambler and i'm sure people are listening like tim but you're like this is the better life why are you talking us out of this that's (laughs) not what i'm doing I, i when i was at bet bash there was a gentleman who i know does not really play table games who isn't a casino gamer he bets on sports professionally not as yeah. a recreation yeah. he even commented he's like something i appreciate about your podcast is your is the is the reality of being a gambler right the mm-hmm. like and 
And I think that it's important to be mindful of this to make sure that we don't become one of these people, right? Or we can hope to not go down that path. Yeah. Something that I think Jerry's character shows, and I know we have all been there. When you win big on a big gamble on a, a or you come back in a big way after a big loss, it's not even a good feeling. It's just relief, <laughs> right? Like that's all it is. Like there's yeah, not even really yeah. excitement, right? You're just, it's, it's all just relief. Like cortisol stops pumping through your brain and you just sort of, but it's like, it's almost difficult to be excited because you know, you know how close you were to being completely mm. bust. Mm. Right. Yeah. And so I think they show him obviously being excited in that moment where he wins a hand. But I think that spoke a little bit more to how he felt about the guy he was playing against and not the hand itself. But then you also just sort of see that sense of relief of like, mm-hmm. okay, I, I put it all out there and it worked out somehow. And uh, I think that aspect of being a gambler is really fascinating to see depicted in, the, in this show. Um, because I think we've all been there. You're down at the craps table, you get this rally back and it, and it, it it's, it's exciting while it's happening, but then once it's done, it's not exciting anymore. It's just a relief. It right? happened to me two weeks ago at the craps table. <laughs> exactly the kind of thing. It's like, oh, wow, this is going to be my worst. And then all of a sudden, oh, yikes, I rolled like eight nines in a roll, and I had money on nine. And Perfect. All the way back. <laughs> all the way back. <laughs> yep. Uh, so I just want to do, say a couple more things about the acting. Dustin Hoffman, again, even though we haven't seen him, I think he's great in this. Um, yes. Dennis Farina, the late great Dennis Farina. It's interesting because he usually plays a heavy, good or bad. You know, he can be on right. both sides, but usually he's kind of a heavy. And this is a little bit against type for him, right? Because he's kind of, you know, getting excited about making that $200 bet. And, you know, <laughs> oh, I own a horse. Yeah, I know. I'm not really the owner. You know, he's kind of yeah. a gee whiz character here. He's doing a great job. Um, we already talked about Kevin Dunn and, uh, yeah, Richard Kind, who are great. One last one, Gary Stevens plays a jockey. Gary Stevens is a, a jockey in real life, or was, and oh. he's playing a jockey on this show. He plays uh, Ronnie, the jockey. And I, I, he's, he's not quite as good an actor as the rest of them. But, you know, when he first came on the scene in the first episode, I'm thinking – Wait a minute! I didn't recognize him. So wait a minute! I, this I don't think this is a regular actor because he's not quite as good. But he's yeah. he's he's fine. Uh, yeah. So I think that's interesting that uh, you know they got a, a real jockey to play a jockey. He. Um, it's funny you say that because now that you. I, I'm almost kicking myself for not realizing this because he's one of the most recognizable jockeys in horse. <laughs> like anybody who's ever like, even if you're someone who only watches the Kentucky Derby year after year, you've undoubtedly seen this man's face before. Yeah. And uh, he's a name, right? If you hit right. Gary Stevens, he's a name. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Good. Um, what, is that all you got? One last thing I will say about this. The uh, horse racing footage is fantastic. Some of the best yeah. that I've ever seen. That's why it's, you know, hard to really appreciate it because you know that horses died. Oh, supposedly they were not injured during the sequences, you know, that were filmed or, you know, the racing, that kind of thing. But I mean, really, this is some of the best footage, you know, uh, POV footage. You're, you're obviously some shots are from a horse. You know, you can, you're obviously galloping along. There's obviously a cameraman on a horse. Sometimes maybe it's a car to the side of them, but it's some of the best horse racing footage I've ever seen. Okay. Next time we do this, 
we are going to do more of a hodgepodge um uh what do you call it mixed bag of yeah. episodes like we've done in, in the past where uh of shows where there's an episode of a show that talk that has it or a scene and we quickly uh talk about that uh you have a fantastic spreadsheet uh that shows yeah. <laughs> all of the like that had like anywhere we're gambling or vegas is mentioned in it um so I'm going to go through that, find a couple that I like, um, and uh, and pick apart. So I'll tweet them out as they're coming. Of course, I'll let you know, Mark. So you okay, <laughs> you and I'll consider. send you an update because I've updated that spreadsheet. So I'll oh, do good. that. Uh, I'll think of it right after this. Yep. The one I know we're going to talk about uh, now that the season's over, Rick and Morty season five has finished. Um, there's one episode that, um, in a very gross way, is t- uh, has a Vegas reference, a, a bunch of Vegas references. And there's enough that I was like, we've since we've done Rick and Morty in the past, I feel like we at least have to acknowledge some of the Vegas references in this uh, episode. So uh, if you're not caught up on Rick and Morty season uh, season five, and you want, uh, I can't remember which episode. I think it's episode four or five of the of the season. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's that's definitely one. Ted Lasso, eight episodes in, so far no gambling references. No, not really. Yeah, no. I'm enjoying the season, of course, but uh, yeah, yeah. No, no real gambling. Yeah, which I'm really surprised, and and this is why I'm surprised. They're doing a really great job nodding to English culture. And betting's a big part of English culture. Oh, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm surprised there hasn't been that they haven't referenced punters or, you know, you yeah. at least use like some sort of like um, sort of jargon, you know, to, to, make, to make the reference. But um, we got a few more episodes before the season's over. So hopefully we get. Yeah, that's um, true. And there are obviously, you know, there are some plot lines that they're obviously dealing with you right. know, this season that don't really lend it themselves to gambling. So, yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, one show I would recommend to an episode that we can look at because there's something very specific that happens in it that that I think we, you and I could talk about for a little while. Okay. It's a, uh, the George Lopez show. The episode is called George's House of Cards. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to see the season number. But anyway, it has to do with poker. And there's something that happens in it that um, I, I want to talk about. So George's House of Cards, the George Lopez show. Okay. Very good. Um we will include that Rick and Morty and I'll tweet out or an Instagram story, anything else we decide to to watch. But yeah, next yeah. episode, grab bag of um of things. And then the following we'll do at least two, maybe three episodes of yeah. Talk, depending yeah, yeah. on how much we get out of, of each episode. Yep, I agree. All right, Mark. Thanks. Thanks yep, for thank watching, everybody. Bye. All right, all right, all right. Thank you, Mark, for for joining me as always. Hope to uh yeah, hope to get an episode of You Can Bet on that soon. There's, a, there's something I'm missing in my life right now. Zorkfest, December 17 and 18. Zorkfest at the Plaza. I will be there, and I am organizing and leading the Podcaster's Potluck and a live performance of The Better Life. Uh, first, the Podcaster's Potluck. We got uh, On the Corner of Maine is going to be involved. Julian from... Vegas Confessions is going to be involved, and we're still identifying uh, probably two, maybe three more, but probably two more uh, podcasts to be involved. Probably, probably one more Vegas podcast, and then maybe, uh, and then not maybe, and then hopefully a uh, a travel podcast as well. That first event, the Podcasters Potluck, um, is going to be Vegas focus through the lens of traveling with some gambling intertwined in there where it fits. Following Podcasters Potluck is going to be a live performance of The Better Life. 
a bit of a gambler's round table, depending on, <laughs> I don't know how round that table is going to be, depends on uh, how many collaborators I can get to join me, but that will be uh, gambling focused. That will be specifically gambling. Uh, probably some Vegas uh, weaved in there, but like it's going to be very gamble. I mean, it's going to be a live performance of the better life. So what you expect on the show is what you're going to get there. It is going to be recorded, but it is not going to be in like an auto release the next day. So uh, if you want, if you're, if, if this is something, if you're inclined to want to um, experience that sort of event, I encourage you to come check it out. This is essentially, this is like the better part of two hours talk of podcast stuff, right? Where the podcast is potluck, that'll be roughly an hour. The Better Life will be up to 45, 50 minutes. Uh, so a lot of good content there. That nice little bonus, nice nice little exclamation mark if you are interested in the event in general. Uh, it'll be at the plaza, but the the better life um i'm not quite sure what's going to be done with the podcaster's potluck but i can tell you anything recorded in those two hours isn't just being released automatically the next day like this is um so uh definitely some incentive to come check it out live um it could be months before uh any audio um from that gets uh, gets released into uh, public feeds, but, uh, that's, that's more of the Michael Traeger and less up to me. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to that. It'll be at the Plaza Zorkfest. Uh, you can, I mean, follow, follow Travel Zork on Twitter for, uh, all up-to-date information, uh, and, and how to get your tickets, uh, etc. G2E, October 2nd through the 8th is when I'll be there. G2E itself is the 5th, 6th, and 7th. At least the Expo Hall is. That's what I'll be focused on. I'll be in town on the 2nd. I'll be around for most of the 3rd. I'll be around for some of the 4th. And then and then it's G2E. And once G2E hits, uh, I am probably going to be unavailable for just about everything that isn't G2E or content related. So if you're going to be in the area, um, let me know. If you're going to be in the area, if you're only going to be in the area for the 5th, 6th, and 7th, and we're hoping to hang out with me, let me know now, so that way I can try to find, uh, I can keep that in consideration as I'm figuring out my week. But if you're going to be around the 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, let me know so we can find the right time. My calendar's already filling up. My Sunday morning just got, just kind of got busy uh, with something, so uh, if you're going to be in the area and you want to hang out, if you want to shoot some dice over at... Um, at Golden Gate, or you just want to grab a meal, maybe have a cocktail, whatever it may be, uh, let me know so that way I'll get an opportunity uh, to hang out and uh, hopefully do some gambling. Meet up at Rocky Gap uh, Casino on November 20th. I'll be there hopefully the 19th, 20th, and 21st. Um, so if you can make it at any point on the 20th, you're almost guaranteed to catch me because I will wake up on property and I will go to sleep on property. But 19th, 20th, and 21st is when uh, I will be there. When I shot, when I threw out the invitation for location ideas for a Mid Atlantic type meetup, Rocky Gap came up a few times, and even one of you said you already had a, uh, a trip planned that weekend. So I'm just rolling with that unless someone can talk me out of this. Uh, but um, that will be hard to do as it seems like we already have some pretty, some good interest here. So uh, shoot me a message if you plan on being there or if you would like to be there. Uh, because this is a low expectation sort of meetup, you're not uh, like I, I don't have a relationship with this property, so I can't I don't know 
very there's very little chance that I'll be able to get like a table reserved or anything like that. This is just gamblers mobbing on a on a property and hanging out and doing the uh, the gambling and uh, visiting that we can. So if you're interested or would like to show up, let me know just so I have an idea of who might show up. But you're not doing me a disservice if you let me know you're interested and ultimately can't uh, show up. So it'll it would it's better to let me know that you can and then not um, versus the other way around because I want to make sure they get opportunity to. Uh, to visit with everybody who can come out and uh, see what we can do if, if the if the crowd gets a, a little bigger. But um, I, I hope to see a handful of you out there. I'm looking forward to seeing this property for the first time. November 20th uh, is the day that I will be there. Tip, the dealer shirts are at the printers. I'm hoping to get them in the next week or two to get these shipped out. Thank you for everybody who put in a pre-order for that. If you would like to uh, put another order, uh, uh, the pre-order price will be there through the end of the month. So uh, if you haven't gotten one, you'd like one, you'd like to help us advocate for supporting casino staff and dealers, this is a great way to do that. Uh, bettermerch.com, B-E-T-T-O-R, merch.com uh, is where you can go to cop the shirts. Uh, the the pre-order price will be there through the end of the month. Thank you for everybody who's copped those and supporting this, this effort. Coffee dice items uh, coming way. Coffee dice items coming around the bend. So look for uh, look out for that. Um, but more merch is coming. Coffee dice is, is, stuff is going to be next. That will do it for this week. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your listenership. Thank you for all your support. Um, uh, if you're interested in G2E stuff like coverage, I recommend following me on The Better Life on Instagram. Um, that's where I'm probably going to be doing a lot of real-time posting. Um, and then, of course, YouTube.com uh, slash The Better Life is where videos will live. And, of course, we'll have audio content in the feed where you're already listening. So I look forward to uh, what is likely going to end up being uh, a few busy months here with G2E, Meetup in November, uh, Vegas in December. Really looking forward to the next few months. Hope to see some of you at some point. Um, otherwise... Good luck at the casino. Good luck with all your bets. On behalf of Mark Duvall, I am Timothy Lawson. Good night and good luck. <laughs>